I've been fighting to drain the swamp. And sometimes it may not look like it, but believe me, we are draining the swamp. And there are a lot of unhappy people. You can see that every time you see me hit, you know that I'm draining the swamp. Pruitt insisted on staying in luxury hotels. You know, pictures of his face on coins at the EPA. Pruitt directed staff to find pretexts for the government to pay for his travel back home to Oklahoma. Yet Scott Pruitt has survived. Because he's executing the president's agenda. There's another- Rolling back regulations. So- Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Jamal Bowie, Slate's chief political correspondent and your host for today's episode. Do you remember Lewis Scooter Libby? He was a high-ranking official in the Bush administration, an assistant and aide to Vice President Dick Cheney before becoming an assistant to President Bush himself. In 2005, he was indicted by a federal grand jury on charges relating to the leaking of the covert identity of Valerie Plame, an officer with the CIA. And in 2007, he was convicted on four counts, two counts of perjury, one count of obstruction of justice, and one count of making false statements to federal investigators. Today, more than 10 years after his conviction, Libby has been pardoned. I don't know Mr. Libby, but for years I have heard that he has been treated unfairly, said President Trump in announcing its full pardon of Libby. Explaining the decision, advisor Kellyanne Conway told reporters that many believe Libby was the victim of a special counsel run amok. That is one clue to understanding the why of the pardon. Maybe Trump simply felt bad about Libby's fate, or maybe this is a trial run for a broader set of pardons, meant for his associates, Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, and others, now caught in the web of Robert Mueller's special counsel investigation. That's all breaking news, but we won't be talking about that for our conversation today. For our conversation, we'll be talking with Rebecca Lieber of Mother Jones Magazine on her profile of EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt. Pruitt faces intense scrutiny for its use of taxpayer funds for travel and security, as well as its potentially inappropriate relationship with lobbyists and others from the fossil fuel industry. The president's antics may have pushed Pruitt's scandals out of the news, but they still matter, and we should still talk about them. Before we speak to Rebecca, however, we're going to take a break and hear a few tweets from our president. James Comey is a proven leaker and a liar. Virtually everyone in Washington thought he should be fired for the terrible job he did until he was, in fact, fired. He leaked classified information for which he should be prosecuted. He lied to the Congress under oath. He is a weak and untruthful slimeball who was, as time has proven, a terrible director of the FBI. His handling of the crooked Hillary Clinton case and the events surrounding it will go down as one of the worst botch jobs in history. It was my great honor to fire James Comey. Much of the bad blood with Russia is caused by the fake and corrupt Russia investigation headed up by the all-Democrat loyalist or people that worked for Obama. Mueller is most conflicted of all, except Rosenstein, who signed FISA and Comey letter. No collusion, so they go crazy. If I wanted to fire Robert Mueller in December, as reported by the failing 
the New York Times, I would have fired him. Just more fake news from a biased newspaper. To talk about EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt, we have Rebecca Lieber from Mother Jones. She has a great profile of Pruitt in the latest issue of Mother Jones titled Making America Toxic Again. Scott's Pruitt's job is to protect the environment. Unfortunately, God has other plans for him. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. So, you know that Scott Pruitt has been in the news a lot the past two weeks for things that have very little to do with the environment and more to do with the fact that he uh, really seems to enjoy the perks of being a federal official a little too much. But I'm interested in Scott Pruitt as EPA administrator, as someone who is responsible for stewarding um, America's natural resources. And so my what I wanted to ask you first was, if you are completely unfamiliar with Pruitt, how should you understand him? Like, what is his deal? Well, I think key to understanding Pruitt is his Oklahoma roots, where he uh, was attorney general for six years and built his national reputation suing the Obama administration, largely over environmental regulations. So he came in with this Trump ethos of deregulation and putting industry interests ahead of science, public health advocates, and environmentalists. Key to understanding him, uh, th- there's, a, there's a few examples that I cover in my profile, and one is his religion. He has conservative evangelical roots, and he has talked about his faith quite a bit in justifying deregulation at the EPA. And he also uh, has political ambition to pursue higher office, which is another piece of what makes these ethic- ethical scandals interesting. He doesn't see the EPA as an endpoint for him, and the industry allies he's cultivated is one tool to get to the next seat. So I want to go back to your mention about his religion and his evangelicalism. How does that interplay with his beliefs about the environment? So I went to Oklahoma and talked to his uh, pastor in, in Pruitt's longtime church, and Pruitt and his church come from this strain of thought that natural resources have been put on earth for man's use. And Pruitt likes to talk about an apple orchard that environmentalists like to put up a fence around the apple orchard while he is trying to export it and feed the world. He just but, wants to have some apples. Yeah, he's. Uh, you can substitute fossil fuels for apples <laughs> uh, in, that, in that metaphor. And um, it's certainly, it's a very different interpretation of the Bible than, uh, for example, Pope Francis took in his encyclical. I, I can recall Pope Francis tweeting that the earth increasingly looks like a pile of filth, which does seem like a— Sounds about right. <laughs> seems like a, three, a 360 from Scott Pruitt. And so he has these beliefs. He doesn't see the EPA as his final destination, which is, seems a little odd. Typically, EPA administrators, this is like their— this is like the caption of their careers. So what does Scott Pruitt want to do after this? Like, where is he, where is he going to, how is he going to use these these fossil fuel donors to, to move forward? Well, there's been a lot of speculation, and I'm sure the news the last few weeks uh, changes that calculus a little bit. But he has been rumored to be uh, interested in Senator Inhofe's seat in Oklahoma, who's in his 80s and up for re-election in 2020. 
He also uh, seems to be partly behind these rumors that he was uh, floated for Attorney General uh, Jeff Sessions' seat. And he uh, even some people will say he sees himself as a future president. That would explain, you know, that would actually explain what I, what I think is one of the weirdest Pruitt stories is he was going to a diplomat, which for listeners is a, a well-regarded French restaurant in D.C. And he had he had the, his driver use like the emergency lights to get through traffic faster, which is super strange. Like, well, that's good, but it's not that good. But if you imagine yourself as a future president, then maybe you would do really strange things like that. Yeah, I think he came in uh, seeing himself as bigger than EPA administrator. And you've seen him through his expenses and things like uh, asking for sirens to be turned on and expanded security that he uh, has expanded the size and the scope of his own office. Uh, That actually reflects how he handled attorney general in Oklahoma when his budget expanded while the state had uh, budget cuts due to a drop in oil prices. And he, uh, yeah, there's certainly something uh, weird going on psychologically. (laughs) Uh, We're seeing there's just continue to be outpouring of stories about him retaliating against career staffers who spoke up. And it never seems to end. So Pruitt, I think, not quite alone among Trump cabinet members, but more so than most others, has a reputation for being a very effective uh, member of the Trump administration who has a set agenda involving um, environmental deregulation and sort of like advancing the interest of fossil fuel in uh, the fossil fuel industry and doing it well. I know that you recently had a back and forth with Michael Grunwald at Political Magazine, uh, Politico Magazine, who argued that this was all a little overstated, that Pruitt is not nearly as effective as he appears to be, uh, and that, uh, in fact, um, both allies and critics are critics are, are hardened by how ineffective he is, and allies may be a little disappointed. What is your take on the question of Pruitt's effectiveness? Well, uh, Michael made a great point in his political piece that uh, there were a few flurry of stories this weekend about this. Of He wasn't as effective as everyone claims on, on rolling back regulations. That is true to an extent. What environmentalists have sued basically on almost every decision coming out. And uh, the legal arguments are really strong for proactive agency action on air and water. And and Pruitt, in many cases, has taken certain shortcuts on the science and justifying these rollbacks in order to get these done quickly. So certainly we're not seeing this. Uh, this is still playing out and it will over the course of many years in courts. And that is one area that Pruitt in the long term may not be as effective on. Where I differed a bit with uh, Michael on his point about Pruitt being overhyped in his uh, in his productivity and success is there are many other impacts that Pruitt has had on the EPA and environmental protection beyond just the regulatory front. A major area is on science. And um, one effort that he has undertaken uh, as all these scandals have really picked up steam is limiting the kinds of studies that the EPA can use to justify its public health regulations. And that is a huge effort to reshape how the agency approaches science. He's also driven out hundreds, if not at this point, thousands of career staffers and experts 
leaving in in the place uh, a lot of gaps in the agency that will take many years to fill, even in future administrations. Then there's the obvious argument that uh, the longer the agency doesn't take action on major problems like climate change uh, and also water crises around the country uh, and and stricter ozone regulation, for example, uh, that hurts people in the meantime. And I think that is a, another piece of this that that tends to be overlooked when you argue that, oh, the next administration could just reverse this. So, Rebecca, one thing I am curious about is just how Pruitt got into the Trump administration. He didn't doesn't appear to have been a Trump supporter during the campaign. He was sort of low on the radar of, I think, conservative figures broadly. So how, how does how does one get from Oklahoma, admittedly doing a great job of presenting yourself as a foe of Obama, but get from Oklahoma to uh, the head of the EPA? There are a few key Trump donors who uh, are also allies of Pruitt's who are interesting to look at. One is Harold Hamm. He is a oil executive in Oklahoma of Continental Resources, and he is also a key Trump backer and was at one point, I think, floated for a cabinet post that he passed on. But uh, that is one one direct connection to Pruitt. Ham was Pruitt's uh, chair of his re-election campaign for attorney general. And um, there are a few other donors in Trump's orbit that Pruitt uh, would also have endeared himself to when he was suing the Obama administration. And another key ally is Bob Murray, who has been pushing the EPA to withdraw all of its climate regulation. He's a coal executive who uh, is probably one of the most prominent uh people to sue uh, the Obama EPA. And he also has uh, handed Pruitt a list of rollbacks he would like to see. Like, in... a, straight, like, a, like a straight up legitimate list? like a Yeah, the um, there was a frontline documentary where, where Murray was on bragging about this wish list he presented the administration that uh, they had checked off one by one. That is bold. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you can also see a lot of Oklahoma figures filling the Trump administration. Um, and whether that's these donors or uh, that the there tend to be Oklahoma Republicans who embody the, the Trump mentality, I, I'm not sure. But um, you're, there have been a few posts filled from Oklahoma figures. And Senator James Inhofe is also, uh, a, he's very active in, in talking about how climate change is, is a hoax and right. denying the science. And he, uh, too, is an ally of Pruitt's. I think my sort of last question relates back to President Trump, since this is technically Trump cast, not Pruitt cast. Um, and so we got to talk about the president a little bit. And this, I guess, will we'll loop back to the ethical scandals. Pruitt isn't the first person involved in this. Uh, Tom Price last year, as Secretary of Health and Human Services, resigned because of similar behavior. Ben Carson infamously is sort of like in hot water because of similar behavior. Uh, but Pruitt alone, I think, among the group of uh, cabinet members who have gotten in trouble for for misuse of funds and for all this stuff, seems to have the president sort of thumbs up. You know, President Trump called him a good guy, says he's very effective, uh, is very supportive of Pruitt in a way that he hasn't been of these other cabinet members. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on what kind of relationship is there? Like why, why, is, why does Pruitt seem to be immune from any consequences from Trump 
for behavior that really is, I mean, really does harm politically the Trump administration. This, is, this does not look make the drain the swamp guy look good. Going back to what we were talking about on his effectiveness, uh, he has delivered Trump a string of uh, what you might call easy wins and talking points. And uh, Pruitt, Pruitt's actions have featured heavily in the White House's claims of having success in its first year. One example was the end of 2017. They rolled out a list of their rollbacks, and the EPA was very prominent on that list of how much uh, ha- and how quickly uh, they have taken aim at Obama-era rules. And I think that is key. One key reason that Trump has been openly reluctant to uh, cut Pruitt loose in the way that we saw with Price. And uh, obviously, this is still playing out before our eyes. But Pruitt has, and I think we saw this with the Paris decision when Trump appeared in the Rose Garden and then handed the mic to Pruitt to explain, uh, to to cap off this very momentous, um, very publicity-oriented uh, event. And that was a moment where I think Pruitt really emerged as a, a partner of Trump's and in rolling back everything Obama accomplished, or at least attempting to. I think another key reason here is what Pruitt is doing appeases a key part of Trump's base. And we are seeing amid these scandals, groups like the climate denier, think tank, Heartland, Heritage, and uh, a whole host of groups that are associated with fossil fuel industry. They have gotten Pruitt's back and are openly defending him, urging Trump to stand by him. And that's a key Trump constituency. So Pruitt has been delivering wins to this this, um, contingent on the right and I think uh, Trump gets a lot, cares what that contingency thinks. We have been speaking to Rebecca Lieber. She writes for Mother Jones, and she has a profile of Scott Pruitt in the magazine's latest issue. That profile is called Making America Toxic Again. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me on. That's our show for today. As always, we are on Twitter, and you should follow us. Our account is at RealTrumpCast. That is at RealTrumpCast. Get ahead of all the Trump news you can handle and keep up with us in the show. TrumpCast is produced by Jason DeLeon with help from Danielle Hewitt. I'm Jamal Bowie. Thank you for listening. Listening.